Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, where each week, Dr. Frank Domino, along with his guests, translates today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. Now, broadcasting from the University of Massachusetts Medical School in Worcester, Mass., your host, Dr. Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health, and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Carrie is here for her three-month follow-up to discuss her osteoarthritis pain and how it's affecting her life. She is 77 years old and recently widowed. She feels that the pain of her osteoarthritis is keeping her for what she likes to do. She had been moderately active in the past, golfing, walking, and caring for her grandchildren. Her pain today is a 3 to 4 over 10, and sometimes it gets as high as 6 over 10 while awake. She has taken acetaminophen and NSAIDs, but does not want to rely on them. And she trusts you. What else can she do besides taking these meds to treat her chronic pain? And she wants nothing to do with opioids. Hi, this is Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. And joining me today to talk about treating chronic non-cancer pain is Jill Terrian, Associate Professor and Director of Nurse Practitioner Programs at the University of Massachusetts Medical School's Graduate School of Nursing. Jill, thanks so much for bringing this forward. Thank you for having me, Frank. So, Carrie's, Carrie's got some issues that I think we can all identify with. Many of our patients are in, uh, in their 70s, probably developing some osteoarthritis, and they've heard the news that they don't want to take chronic medications for their pain. Uh, tell us a little bit about how chronic pain is defined in seniors. Sure, will do. Um, so anybody uh, over the age of 60 is considered to be in the older uh, adult category. Also, um, chronic non-cancer pain is, chronic cancer pain is anything that persists longer than three months. Um, and in this episode today, we're going to talk specifically about chronic non-cancer pain, and we're going to talk about the typical types of pain are mainly musculoskeletal in this age group. And I also want to point out that we are not including headache pain in our discussion today because uh, consistent with the Cochrane Review, that it was also uh, a pain they did not include in their chronic pain okay. Uh, discussions. Okay, so chronic pain is anything that lasts more than three months. And for our discussion today, we're not talking about headaches. What can we say about uh, the non-pharmacologic management of chronic pain? Is it important? What does the data support? So um, the data supports that um, multimodality, essentially more than one type of therapy, is very effective. And multimodality means you know two or more, um, two or more therapies. Okay, so think about. Uh, exercise as a category and exercise you can include physical therapy you could include any type of water therapy and that might be from warm showers all the way to like walking in a pool taking a swim class in a pool which we know is joint supportive there's a lot of data on that to keep people moving um, you know also uh, other things yoga um, walking in the neighborhood um, you know, it could be massage if they're a person that can, you know, has access to that. Um, so basically anything more than uh, two modalities seems to be, you know, not one thing is going to be the cure-all and it's going to be different every day for the patient. Mm -hmm. So multimodality, um, possibly something social if they can. Um, where does, where, where does medication fit in and where, what are some other, um, 
psychological interventions we can recommend? Oh, sure. So let's talk about medication first. Um, basically, pharmacologic options, and Carrie has talked about this in her visit today, that she's tried you know, NSAIDs and she has tried acetaminophen. They definitely play a role. I think they're an option. Uh, what I would look at with the patient is, you know, is it somebody that's got a fear of medication? You know, and how many medications are they already on and what's it going to interfere with? Um, and side effects, you have to think about NSAIDs and, you know, GI upset, kidney function um, as side effects. So I think there's a role for them in the multimodalities of the other things that you're going to actually prescribe with your patient. So let's talk about um, the psychological therapies that are a possibility. And that is the, um, in this episode, um, the article by Nick Najad, the study. Um, it, we're going to talk about um, the psychological interventions and how they relate to chronic pain outcomes in older adults, so over, over age 60. And what was found in this, and it was, was specifically looking at um, cognitive behavioral therapies um, as a large I'm going to call it a large class because there are many different modalities. But mainly what they found is um, they looked at a meta-analysis. It included 22 RCTs, um, 2,600 patients. Their average age was 72, and 69% of them were female. And they looked at various pain types, mainly musculoskeletal, so back, knee, um, osteoarthritis, and RA, um, and mixed types also. Um, very important, they excluded the cancer population and the headache population, and the average intervention with these therapies together was about nine weeks, and it worked out to about eight treatment sessions. And um, when they looked at outcome measures, the majority of the studies, exactly 21 of the 22, looked at pain intensity, and that's what they reported out on. Mm -hmm. You were going to talk a little bit about the, the psychological modalities, including cognitive behavioral therapy and group therapy. Um, how influential were they in outcomes? Um, they, were very, they were very influential, but it was modest, all right? And so to talk about the different types of therapy, um, you know, it's actually, again, as I spoke at the beginning, a large class. You've got behavioral coping skills training, um, cognitive coping skills training, um, restructuring cognition, um, behavioral activation, and actually one of the categories was acceptance, okay? Um, and so what they found is, is that, you know, overall cognitive behavioral therapy can help patient cope with symptoms that become learned and an expected pattern, so you're trying to change that. Um, and I'm going to call it CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy as a group, showed a small but significant decrease in pain intensity in the intervention group. So what they did is they had, you know, they looked at interventions and controls, obviously. And it remained lower, the pain intensity, um, for about six months, but not longer. Interesting also, they found that group-based therapy demonstrated stronger results. And what they think that could have been due to is the fact that, you know, you're in, you're sharing, you have public commitment, peer support, and that there's some social facilitation to this. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like multimodal is the approach we should have for chronic non-cancer pain and that we need to really consider behavioral changes and a structure either through CBT or through some sort of group-based therapy. But realistically in my practice, it's hard to find um, cognitive behavioral therapy who are going to take my patients for eight visits, um, and I have never even thought about finding group therapy. What do you recommend? 
So I think that if you have, you know, and it's also going to depend on what the patient has access to in their health plan, right? So um, if you're thinking about access to CBT, and depending on where you live, I would suggest, you know, you do a simple search and see what's in the area. And if it's something I wanted to explore further, I would actually call that provider and talk to them about, you know, what they offer. Because this is something that you're going to basically prescribe to your patient. So there is, you know, going that route. On a lesser route, there is, um, you know, there are apps for everything. And I think that there are mindfulness-based apps and there are other apps that can work on the various therapies that are mentioned in this study um, that you can actually work with your patient on. It's really going to depend on the level of patient engagement. Um, I think in Carrie's case, you know, you've got somebody that, you know, you've been seeing, she trusts you, she's already got a fair amount of activity going on. You know, she's She's playing golf, and we don't want to limit her quality of life. It's all about the quality of the patient. So I would take cognitive behavioral therapies as, as an option and looking at the many different ways that they can be done, anywhere from like muscle relaxation uh, to meditation and mindfulness, all the way to um, the way um, patients think about their pain and what their day looks like. Because if you think about somebody, they already know they're going to be in pain. They already know they're going to have a bad day. How can we change that thought process? I I love the thought that um, we need to be expanding our approach to treating chronic pain to include behavioral modalities as well as the patient. That We both have a responsibility there. We're quick, we're busy, we write a prescription, they're out the door that may or may not be the best way to approach it. In this case, this data shows that we, as well as the patient, have to change the way we think about and care for chronic non-cancer pain. Well, Jill, thank you very, very much. We'll have a variety of resources on the activity page that will help you find both digital resources uh, to locate CBT providers in your area, as well as some online tools that the patient can use to help solve problems on their own. Thanks again, Jill. Thank you, Frank. Practice pointer. In treating patients with chronic non-cancer pain, think about using behavioral therapies that can improve their quality of life. Battling burnout. When you approach patients with chronic non-cancer pain, consider reframing your thoughts about their care, including referring them for behavioral health interventions in addition to pharmacologic treatment. Join us next time when we discuss the risk from medications that can induce depression. And for more timely, relevant, and practical medical education, check out primed.com. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by Primed. For more information about the article referenced in today's episode, look under the resources section of the episode landing page. Need help reaching your CME credit goal this year? If so, please browse the more than 300 free CME accredited activities now available on primed.com. Thank you again for listening.